0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: I'm Franny Benali, and you're listening to In That Number.
2: And then they lift one over the top of Danny Ings. He's in the box. Oh, onto his left. foot, oh, brilliant. Oh, it's a fantastic goal for Danny Ings. He's done it again.
1: Here comes Warren Fry.
0: for checking out In That Number with me, Kevin the Moscow Mush Milverton and Ray Hunt Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter In That Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you'd be bothered, send us an email to podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe and give us good vibes. Let's go!
1: Welcome to a very, 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 very special episode of In That Number. (laughs) Quite a lot of varies there, I know. Uh, Episode 109. Kevin, what are we calling this episode? Twelve Years a Saint. Twelve Twelve Years a Saint, yes. Um, If you haven't worked it out already, we have a real treat for you. We have Klaus Lundikvam coming on the show to chat his career. His life uh, before and after football. Yeah. And And the usual nonsense. Yeah, Kev. I mean, are you excited for this? Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm excited, nervous, and slightly aroused as well. <laughs>
1: slightly aroused. <laughs>
0: yeah. Have you been brushing up on your Norwegian? Um, <laughs> not that I had any in the first place, but yes.
1: You, oh, you have. You've you've, uh, you've you've been learning some Norwegian
0: then. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll try and knock something out. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting to fail miserably, so you to
1: look forward to that. Well, that, that's. You know, it's like me trying with the Russians. So it's a very, very hard language, isn't it? All Scandinavian languages are very, very difficult. Um, Right, shall we head to the interview? Yeah, let's get him on. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Matt Letizier, and thank you for listening to In That Number. Uh, we'd like to welcome our extra special guest now. Uh, over the course of the two plus years of the show, we've been privileged to have some fantastic guests ranging from athletic writers like Carl Anker and Saints podcasting royalty like Matt Markstone, John Bailey and of course Ben Stanfield. But I think I can say without any fear of contradiction that this is the best yet. And I'm sure all of you will agree. We have a club legend, a hero, a man who amassed over 400 appearances, a former captain, a mainstay in the heart of our defence. 12 years spanning over the Dow and St. Mary's with 14 different managers. It is our pleasure to introduce the one and only Klaus Lundigvam, Welcome Klaus and yeah thank you so much for your time and giving us this opportunity to chat with you today.
2: Well thank you. It's uh, it's a huge pleasure to uh, to join you on your show and uh, yeah what what an introduction. Uh, that, <laughs> you earned thanks, it. <laughs> re- thanks very much. Yeah I I, uh, I look back at so many fantastic years at Southampton. That, yeah it's been uh, it's been a fairy tale, and uh, the 14 years I lived over there was uh, a huge part of my life. So, uh, yeah, I look back with uh, so many uh, fun memories. I'm, I'm going to try and
0: uh, greet you in, in Norwegian. So, go og velkommen til for podcasting, Klaus.
2: Tusen takk. That's very good. That's very good. <laughs> well, well
0: done,
1: Kev. I'm not going to try that. <laughs> I can do that one. Tuck, yeah. Yeah. Oh God, I'm so nervous. You yeah, know, this is a, a huge honour for both of us, as I said before. But yeah, I feel like we should be calling you Mr. Lundkvist because we're not no, quite worthy no, no, of a no. first name basis. Saint Claus
2: Saint, <laughs> Claus. Saint yeah, Claus Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm uh, as deadly and as uh, uh, humble and uh, as I uh, always been. So uh, nothing to be nervous about, uh, Ray at all. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, Firstly, uh, in the age of coronavirus, how are you and your family coping with things?
2: We are doing uh, pretty good, uh, considering obviously the country is, is struggling, as most countries are. But being a, being a small country, being a wealthy, rich country, we are coping uh, pretty well. Obviously, having quite r- regulation in place, we... Um, We don't have much uh, virus spreading at the moment. But saying that, obviously, um, it's still places we are in more or less in lockdown, mostly on the East Coast. I live in Bergen, the second largest city in Norway, on the West Coast. So um, Mm. it's not too bad, but saying that we are yeah this it's really really sad to uh, to watch uh, so many people are struggling so many people are isolated and uh, lonely at the moment and um, especially with the work i'm doing today in in the psychiatry addiction field we uh, we see so many people now it's, uh is having a very horrid and, and difficult time sure
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, well, well, the UK itself is, is like deep in the middle of lockdown number three and Kevin, Russia, it's kind of relaxed over there somewhat, so, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's a bit more relaxed now. I mean, we did have a really heavy lockdown in the spring, but it's uh, been kind of scaled back since and we can do almost what we want as long as you wear a mask.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I understand in the UK it's uh, it's quite strict and uh, it's quite difficult at the moment, I understand, over there. Sure is, yeah. Um,
1: but h- how have you spent the lockdown?
2: Well, I've been working, sort of, uh, most of the time, but in uh, a re- reduced, uh, sort of, I haven't been working full-time, but I've got quite a few engagements in, in my work that I, um, I've i been catching up on, on sort of other things. in. Uh, and I'm an ambassador for uh, mental health Norway, so I've been doing some, oh, wow. Promo- wow. some promoting of... Uh, uh, for them, uh, also, I've been quite busy uh, speaking to my beloved club, Southampton, about about these issues because they have been launching a mental health and well-being strategy now, which I'm going to be a part of.
1: Oh, incredible.
2: W- which is something that I'm really, really excited about. Even though the, uh, it's difficult and most of the... So shops and normal places is shut down i've I've sort of uh managed to uh occupy myself with uh with a bit of work but it's it's not like it used to be because i like to meet people face to face and uh and uh yeah so it's not the same unfortunately
1: things are on the up going in the right direction at the moment
2: well uh yeah we are hopefully now the the vaccine will obviously uh take its toll uh eventually and uh we uh, we get back to normal eventually. It will be it'll uh, be great. So
0: if we start off just uh, talking about your life, maybe. Where it all began. So you, you were born in Austerfall, that's, that's in Vestland near, near Bergen. I mean, what what is, what is life like that in that part
2: of the world? It's a fishing village, really, small uh, uh, cluster of island southwest of Bergen. Sort of uh, special this time of the year. Winter time is quite remote, is wild, sort of the. Uh, the scenery is, is quite wild, but it's, uh, it's brought me also a very, uh, safe upbringing, free and so my, my childhood growing up on a small, small island, small community, everybody knows everyone, has been, uh, has been wonderful really, so I'm, I'm travelling back there, Quite often now because I'm I'm doing uh, I'm working a little bit out there as well. So um, it's uh, it's a special place for me really. Thinking about my childhood and uh, where it all started, where I sort of uh, did my footballing uh, adventure into uh, to the Premier League and everything I, I achieved.
0: Was football like the most popular thing to do uh, back then, or is it not really a f- footballing place?
2: Uh, it certainly is a footballing place. Uh, the, whole, uh, the whole of the country, I would say, is a footballing place. And I think growing up following the English football has always been big in Norway uh, and in Scandinavia in general. So uh, I grew up as a Liverpool supporter. My grandmother is, uh, is born and raised in Liverpool. So Liverpool was my team when I grew up, obviously, before I came uh, uh, as a Lampen player. So, uh, but yeah. English, yeah, English football is, uh, is big in Norway and it was, uh, obviously, uh, looking at the English, uh, we call it Tipperliga, uh, or the, uh, sort of every Saturday we watched the live English game and then the, uh, all the results came in. It was over, sort of yeah, always been a childhood dream to, uh, to play in the, the most exciting and, and best probably the best league in the world, and all of a sudden I was there.
1: Yeah, I think um, I remember hearing you on Saints FC podcast, and the, like the first time that you you went to Anfield, and then you you touched the "This is Anfield" sign, and yeah, that's, that's right.
2: <laughs> and then the uh, the kit man behind me he just said, "What the hell are you doing, Klaus?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: Excellent. Um,
2: well, was, do
0: you remember the first match you went to when you were small?
2: Yeah, I, I, obviously I followed uh, Bran Bergen, who was my, my team, uh, which I played for for six years before I was brought to, uh, brought to South, Southampton. So that was, that was sort of a wouldn't say huge step, but it was a, it's a, uh, a big step coming from a sort of a little fishing, fishing island to come to Bergen and... Uh, and go into their sort of academy at the time, um, and where I spent uh, six years, three years as a, as a scholar, and, um, and then three years in the first team before I then uh, obviously uh, uh, got bought to uh, to the Premier League. So you,
0: you grew up a, a Liverpool fan, and I hear your your childhood hero was Diego Maradona.
2: That's correct. Yeah,
0: and he's yeah recently passed away, uh, unfortunately. That was um was sad of course. Very
2: sad, yeah. Um, but yeah,
0: bearing all that in mind, um, how did you end up playing centre half? I mean, did we did you get put <laughs> there, or was it just this particular skill set you had that? No, that?
2: I I always I always were uh, an offensive midfielder or a striker when I grew up. Believe it or not, uh, my goal scoring record in uh, obviously <laughs> the Premier League is, <laughs> is prolific. It, it's shocking. <laughs> but, but obviously, believe me or not, I, uh, I scored a lot of goals when I grew up and I, I was uh, very offensive in all the uh, all the teams I played in uh, until I came to Brandenburg when I was sort of uh, 17, 18. But I was a trainer, uh, a coach who came back from Poland named Halva Torresen who actually uh, asked me one day if I, if I fancied playing a centre-half because I had the... He was sort of, a, I wouldn't say a revolution, but he came back from European football and uh, wanted a, wanted a centre-half who could play, if you know what I mean, who could uh, techni- technically was good and sort of had uh, speed and, uh, and courage to take the ball forward. And uh, that was probably the main reason that uh, Southampton and Graham Sooners brought me, because I had those skills. Modern uh, centre-half. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. And, uh, first nicknames I got at Salampton, that was Silky, because I had, uh, I had some sil- Silky skills and I, uh, <laughs> I think I, uh, I think most of, uh, uh, most of the supporters and my fans was a bit... <laughs> Especially the first years, was quite afraid every every time I uh, was storming forward with the ball. But uh, I think I I created a lot as well doing uh, doing so and uh, having the ability to do so.
0: I mean, you had a meteoric rise in those few seasons at uh, at Bran. You got to the final of the 1995 um, Norwegian Cup. Yeah, and that's right qualifying for Europe as well by doing that and uh, just about staying up at the same time in the league um that must have prepared you well for your time <laughs> at
2: Southampton <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was a difficult season uh, i remember uh, but obviously um being involved in a an FA, like uh, a cup final in, in norway was something special uh, it was actually being played tw- twice because of a sending off, quite, quite unusual. Hmm. But we uh, we lost it uh, anyhow. Obviously being involved in that, and the biggest uh, sort of cup competition and the FA Cup, uh, what that means to English football, being involved in that in England as well was one of my highlights of of my career, but, uh, an unbelievable uh, moment to be involved in. But saying that, preparing me to uh, to come to England there. Uh, Nothing could have prepared me, I think. I, I was sort of a bit naive and obviously, uh, I wouldn't say having a jolly up, but I was, yeah, I was cruising as a centre half. Uh, I felt in the home, in the domestic league here, yeah. uh, because I was quick and I had good technique and I, uh, I, uh, I felt I had always good time on the ball, uh, but what, uh, hit me when I came to, uh, came to the Dell, came to Southampton and, uh, I came, yeah, I can't remember which day it was. it was, Tuesday or Wednesday, and I made my debut against Forest at home at the Dell on the Saturday. And, uh, after sort of 20 minutes, I, uh, seriously, uh, said to myself, how the hell am I going to cope with this? Uh,
0: <laughs> i mean you, you got a bit of preparation, didn't you come up against uh, oligono Solskjaer in those last couple of seasons of pran yeah
2: been yeah, he was a handful, and obviously Tor andre Flo was a handful, so we had some good uh, good players in the uh, in the Norwegian league at the time uh, who who most of them actually became Premier league players in the years to come so um, it's the
0: norwegian class of ninety six
2: yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you, you you signed for Saints in the autumn of 1996, as you said, by Graham Zunes for 400,000 pounds. What a bargain! I mean, oh. how, how did that transfer come about?
2: Well, I knew there was some. Some clubs, uh, interested. Uh, I made my sort of debut for the, uh, full-time squad for Norway International. Been playing for the under-21s internationally. Uh, it all happened pretty quickly. Made my debut in the first team for Brann. So my talent sort of developed. Pretty yeah, rapidly, and the interest from foreign countries, foreign clubs was was coming uh, quite quite fast really. And I knew I knew there were some German clubs, I knew there were some English clubs and also an, an Italian club uh, interested. The most so sort of likely. Uh, club, uh, was actually Freiburg, uh, at the okay. time who, who showed the most of interest, uh, and were willing to pay, uh, put an offer down. But then Southampton came, obviously Graham Sooners and Laurie McMenemy, I think they, they flew over twice to watch me, and the second time they were here, uh, it all happened. They uh, they made their mind up and they wanted to uh, to buy me there and then, and uh, we signed that contract uh, late evening Sunday night. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> a great <laughs> decision, was, uh,
1: a fantastic decision they made.
2: Well, when you arrived
1: in Southampton, what what was your first impressions of the city and and the Dow? I mean, what what did you know about about Southampton as the club?
2: Well, I didn't know uh, too much, Lee. I've heard about Matthew, Matthew, Leticia, and uh, obviously, but that was it, really. I I, I didn't know much about Southampton as a a city, as a town or or as a team. Obviously, I knew they they were a premiership side and, and obviously that was the main thing I wanted to play, Premier League football. So, but I didn't... I didn't know much at all, spoke hardly any English or, uh, yeah, it was a huge step coming over as a 22-year-old. And Like I said, it happened very quickly. I think I came over on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and I made a debut on the Saturday uh, and that was it. It's crazy. That was, <laughs> uh, and, and looking back and I'm thinking of all the managers I've had, I've, I've been benched full-time. Um Wow. So that says a little bit about my determination and sort of hunger to, uh, to be in the team, but also, uh, the last sort of five, six years of my career at Southampton, I was club captain and and uh, I was very sort of uh, determined to uh, to show my best every week, and, and to help the the team and uh, the fans, the city, and everyone involved to uh, to do the best we could. You certainly did that.
1: um d- during your first season, we finished sixteenth, um, and it was a relegation scrap. I think you know you finished just above the drop zone. As usual. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, needed a point, I think, away at Villa to survive on the last day. Uh, but well, That's lost, right. lost the game, I think. And then, you know, other results went our way. S left. Uh, Dave Jones came in at the end of that season, I believe. But, I mean, we can't talk about that season without mentioning that 6-3 at the Dow. I mean, wow, what a game to be involved in. And you
2: played a massive part in getting Roy Keane sent off. Yeah, and I, I had a goal assist as well. Um, oh, Yes. <laughs> That's obviously one of the, the highlights if you're going to pick games I've been involved in for Southampton. That that was just surreal. Um, and looking back in that game, it, it's just uh, one of those crazy, uh, crazy games that you sort of uh, uh, very rarely see uh, either today or any, any sort of day. Um that two teams were going for it. Obviously, Manchester United were a massive, a massive club, massive team with so many superstars. But what we knew, they hated. They hated coming down to the Dell. Yes. yes. Um, um, and we made uh, absolutely full advantage of that and went straight in their, their faces from the first second. So, but it just became a. Such an open uh, affair of of two teams that that wanted to uh, obviously, and I, I think Manchester United were shocked by the work rates and obviously the uh, the stamina and everything we had on the day, and we had some quality players. I would say we had uh, we had Egil Olsen who who came uh, Berkowitz. Oh. Berkowitz and, and and Matt. So, uh, but obviously. We were huge underdogs, but to to beat Manchester United 6-3 at the Dell at home is, is something very, very special.
1: It was.
2: Uh, luckily, I I, uh, I beat them. Uh, a few other times as well, but uh, that that day was
1: uh, was unbelievable.
2: And obviously, being the the first season uh, of my career at Southampton was was something special. Absolutely, yeah, I,
1: I think that I've seen that game, those game highlights, more than I've seen any other football match in my life. I've just I've seen it so so many times. Um, but. That, of course, that season, you know, what was it like playing in the same team as another Saints legend? We all know who I'm talking about here, the one and only Ali Dia.
2: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, Matthew Letizia.
1: (laughs) No, I mean Ali Dia. I want to know what happened
2: there. What what happened with that? I mean, did he he even take
1: part in any training sessions? Because I don't know how, how. Graham Soonest didn't yeah, realise. <laughs>
2: he, he, he was there on um, the training ground the day before the game. Um, but obviously the session before uh, the match on the Saturday, you, you sort of um, only go through set pieces. You, you have maybe a little five-side, uh, five, ten minutes, or or you, you sort of in your preparations for the game so you don't do much mm. uh so you couldn't we couldn't really see um see any skills to see any uh or lack yeah. of skills yeah <laughs> or lack of skills as it proved to be uh uh but he, yeah he's he's he seemed all right as a as a kid and uh, Obviously, we had huge expectations because obviously he was linked to George Veer and, he, and being us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously, looking back, and I think uh, it could only have been Graham soonest, uh, <laughs> and it could only have been uh, us at the time because we we were desperate for for sort of created players, but he. To actually put him on the bench was one thing, that but actually make him come on uh, for Matthew. Letiz. Yeah, he come on
1: for Littles, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: and uh, <laughs> I think he he sort of had one half decent chance. Um, yes, yes, he did. But, but, but yeah, but after that, he had a couple of touches that I think everyone saw. What <laughs> the hell? And, Who the fuck uh, is this kid? Yeah, and, and he was running around like, uh, he didn't have a, a clue and he wasn't talking to anyone or, uh, and being subbed again, uh, when you've been, uh, been, been coming on. Well, subbed being subbed, yeah. Yeah. And, and that was the last, uh, we ever saw him. Uh, <laughs> he, he then obviously disappeared from the, uh, from the Dell. He was gone when we came in, uh, <laughs> and when when the club and, and we tried to get hold of him, uh, he stayed at the Hilton National, top of the avenue, and he, mm. he uh, he's ran away from the bill and everything there, <laughs> so uh, he was gone, uh, never to be seen again. My goodness. Wow. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, a special <laughs> one again. Unbelievable! It, it, yeah, it could never happen, obviously, in today's football. Uh, no. But it was uh, something special and something really funny to uh, look back at. I
1: don't know. We come pretty close with Guido Carricio, didn't we? So. <laughs> yeah. well, we did yeah. have a couple of assists to his name, at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, you know, you had more, more and more close scrapes with relegation. It was always, you know, so nail biting. It was, it was entertaining though. We, we, we loved it. Got used to it. Um, but did, did you ever pay attention to the newspapers or, or to match highlights on like match of the day or anything to see if? you know see what people were saying about you
2: yes and no i i sort of uh, i wasn't too involved in and in what the press was writing or uh, meaning uh about me or the team or there wasn't sort of uh it didn't it didn't affect my game to put it that way i um i was concentrating and and had enough to uh to stay in the team and and to Prove myself, uh, like I said, I was uh, a very, very determined little kid, uh, who wanted to, uh, to learn quickly because I had to. Like I said, uh, meeting the Premier League was, uh, was a shock. Obviously the tempo, the, the physique of the game and, and, uh, mm-hmm the fastness and the quality was uh yeah what, what I was used to in the domestic league of norway uh standing with my both feet in in the premier league uh yeah everything went so so much quicker so i had to learn quick uh and luckily i did and i had the had the qualities even though the the first games and you always will take some time to to fully, uh, fit in and obviously, but I think that was one, one of the, the best sort of, uh, I've always been a, a, a social kid and always enrolled myself with my teammates and obviously being the first Norwegian there. I think one of the, the biggest compliments I got and through the whole of my career was that I was the Adapted, uh, Norwegian who became an Englishman, which was a huge, uh, sort of testament to, to, uh, yeah, not only my game, my personality and, and who I was. So yeah, but the first sort of three, four, maybe five seasons, we, we were on paper, we were relegated. Yes. Uh, and everyone talked about how the, how we're going to stay up and, uh, we were struggling obviously, with budgets and, and money to sign good enough plays, uh, but we had something that not many teams have, uh, and that was uh, one hell of a sort of gutsy spirit and a, uh, a togetherness that i uh, I've learned so much about those first three, four seasons at the Dell, because we were willing to die for each other uh, on the pitch, off the pitch. And we were very social off the pitch. And I, I really think that is you are as strong as the dressing room are. And, uh, and I think we had a really, really good uh, sort of temperament and, and sort of uh, uh, the dressing room was... Uh, we were really really looking after each other so, yeah that's well, something that
1: you cannot buy isn't it i know it's a cliche no, but it can't. isn't you can't buy it and it's so underrated and it does take time to you know to, to trust each other and absolutely
2: yeah no that was that was the main sort of asset we had uh, because on paper we couldn't sort of uh, compete against the at least the best clubs in, in the league but we we were in the relegation battle nearly every year, and on paper, we probably should have should have been relegated but we've had some we had some great escapes, yes, but we had we had like i said this togetherness that we were willing to really uh die for each other and that that kept us kept us up these uh those uh, first seasons some those years were some of the best in my career i think you learn so much about your your teammates and uh because yeah you can scream and shout as much as you as you want but we only human beings and most of them only need an arm around the shoulder to to perform uh especially on this stage when you when you get sort of Twenty to seventy thousand people watching you every week you you, uh, you need sort of reassurance by your teammates that you uh,
1: you're doing well. Dave Jones left Glenn Hoddle came in um, and you also yeah. saw um, well Glenn Hoddle would eventually leave and go to Spurs um, and then Stuart Gray came in and you, you know you said goodbye to the Dow after what one hundred and three years um, mm. and everyone of course that special game against Arsenal yeah with that special yeah. goal from from Matty. Um, yeah. And then of course, yeah, brilliant. And then of course the you know the new the new ground, the then friends Providence St Mary's Stadium. Uh, what was your first impressions of the new new ground? And you know were, were the team all happy for the move?
2: Well, yeah, of course we were happy because we 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 saw that uh, or we felt that the the Dell wasn't big enough and. Uh, as a club, you, you have to, uh, business-wise, you have to, to grow and the stadium have to uh, get better and get bigger. Yes, we, we were all happy to, to move. But obviously, having, having the home advantage at the Dell was something that we, uh, we lost for a while. Uh, because adjusting to a new stadium was uh, always difficult. And to make it your sort of uh, fortress, and yeah, having the advantage of of playing at home, yeah. it, it, t- it took some time. So um, yeah, it was, it was I remember it was quite difficult the first uh, first few years.
1: And then you had Gordon Strachan who came in and took over from from Stuart Gray. Yep. Uh, yep. Strachan was a bit of a joker with the media and, you know, he didn't suffer fools lightly. Uh, was, was he the same in the dressing room?
2: Yeah, uh, I would say Gordon is, uh, he could be difficult to read, uh, if you did, if you didn't know him. But obviously Gordon came in and, and, uh, first of all, we sort of hated him, uh, <laughs> for the first few months because he ran us every bloody day. Uh, <laughs> And he had a he had a training regime and uh, a fitness regime that uh, we've never seen anything like. But obviously, after a few months, we saw the benefits of it because we were probably at the time those two seasons Gordon was there, we were probably the fist, fittest side in the league, uh, I would say. And and prevention of injuries, we we could afford of. We were a bit lucky, but. Obviously, we had very few injuries, and to play the same eleven more or less two seasons straight uh, gave us a, a great advantage of, of uh, finishing uh, finishing top uh, top ten uh, two of the two of those seasons, which uh, which was I would say a great, an unbelievable achievement for the club at the time. Oh yes, yeah,
1: that was incredible. I mean, he he, he did come in and work wonders. I mean. So you yeah, fin- finished 11th in that first season. And I remember it was a really, really bad start to the season as well, wasn't it? And then, you know, just to, to finish 11th after all, that was, yeah, that was yeah, just incredible. I, I think
2: the first first season there, we uh, at Christmas, we, we were quite uh, dead, dead and buried, really. But after Christmas, we had the best home record in the league. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, me and Michael, I remember, was voted the, the best uh central half pairing uh oh, in the, in, killer. in the Premier league yeah good old killer oh, uh, love him <laughs> so uh but uh i think yeah gordon was uh i loved him uh because uh yeah he was he was a funny uh <laughs> funny guy and uh <laughs> He could make some jokes, but if you gave 100% for Gordon, he, he would look, look after you all day long, and uh, which he did. So he he was a player manager, but if you uh, were fooling about and not, not giving you all, he uh, he will have you. It's like it should be, really. Uh, Absolutely. Obviously, yeah. obviously, he made quite a few other changes at the club, obviously taking all the alcohol away from the, the players' lounge and a few other things that he was <laughs> Chasing us around town in the nightclubs and and that sort of thing. So, uh, but he, he just wanted us to uh, be as, as well prepared and as fit as possible. And uh, and we uh, we the results at the end of the day.
0: Do you, do you have a favourite story about Gordon Strachan?
2: Probably I've got family. I've got quite a few. Obviously, I I invited Gordon over to when I worked for TV2 uh, in uh, in Norway here in Bergen. Uh, I was in charge of all the uh, the guests we uh, we flew over so Gordon came over uh, uh, very kindly and uh, we had a few uh, a few laughs then obviously I remember him when he was really firing he uh, he was yeah you you should keep your mouth uh, firmly shut <laughs> uh, when he was firing uh, I remember I think it was one of the first games uh, Anfield away. I'm not sure if it was Anderson's debut, or it was actually yeah one of his first games anyway. And uh, and he came in and threw uh, a cup of tea in his face and then the. Uh, oh he said you uh you are their best fucking player and uh yeah there were some uh, really bad words coming out of uh, of uh, of Gordon when he was angry, but he he turned around pretty quickly and uh apologized and sort of uh, made things straight but his his temper was uh was quite firing so uh every time he uh he, he was fired up uh just looked the other way and keep shot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen him with the press. If they ask him a question that he doesn't like, you
0: know. Yeah, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, at the end of that first season at St Mary's, um, Letiz left, of course. I mean, was it was it difficult losing a, a player like that? Was, was the team different at all after he left?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, you're never going to be the same without uh, a club like Legend or... A, a, a player with much ability uh and his his talents obviously was like i said earlier we we had a fighting spirit we had a team spirit uh and uh and a dressing room who was was really really good but we also had matthew leticia who who was something special he he, he were the one who was winning games for us and um and uh, to lose him um yeah it was a, obviously a massive uh, a massive blow and a massive loss for for the club for the team and everyone involved uh he was uh, he was very very special uh, very gifted footballer uh, one of the, the best I've, I've ever seen
0: it's a, a joy to watch definitely oh gosh yeah. but i mean it it sort of gone even better from there incredibly uh the 2002-2003 season, I mean,
1: yeah, wow, what a campaign. Yeah, lots of memories for me of on that one. Yeah, mm.
2: that was um, probably the highlights of my career as well, from 2002 to 2005, uh, sort of playing wise for myself, and and I was captain for the international side, and uh, yeah, I was probably those were the best, best years of my career. Yeah, I'd some great memories of those, uh, those especially those two uh, top ten finishes and the FA Cup final in 2003. So, uh, and uh, at that stage, we obviously turned the St Mary's uh, around to to uh, to be our our firm home ground, and uh, everyone felt that.
1: I mean, as a kid growing up and watching FA Cup finals and stuff, I mean, what was it like for you walking out? for that 2003 final. I mean, how were the nerves? Was it, was like, did nerve, did you get better as you got older with nerves?
2: Uh, Not really. Uh, I think when you're young and sort of uh, naive, you, you sort of a bit more gutsy. I think you, uh, when you get older, you, you sort of uh, are a bit more afraid of, of, uh, yeah, what could happen or uh, consequences. Uh but walking out to uh, an FA Cup final, uh, even though it was played uh, in Cardiff at mm. the Millennium Stadium, Uh yeah, it, it's something. It's something that it's for a footballer playing in England is 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 going to be one of the the biggest highlights ever because the 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 cup itself is is the oldest, is most sort of prestige cup uh, domestic cup in in the world mm. and uh to be involved in the final and and leading up to the final the 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 sort of semi-final at villa park against i was there Watford was i was there at
1: that one i remember it yeah. really well.
2: well i was working
1: for the club um for that season and i i went to every single one apart from the the mill all the way and the final all but, right yeah. yeah, that's that semi-final at Villa Park, I remember. Yeah, that was very fantastic.
2: Well. Yeah. Everyone was wearing wigs and, uh, yeah, yeah was, uh, that was a special day. So, uh, obviously a cup final is, is, is huge. It's massive and, uh, you are so concentrated on of sort of, yeah, doing your job. Uh, we knew that we, we were up against a side who haven't lost the whole season, uh, uh, and they didn't lose that season at all. No, they were uh, pretty good, yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, uh, no, right. <laughs> and obviously, I've said so many times that being asked who was the player that I was most struggling with, and, um, and that was Thierry Henry. And obviously, him being out there was... Uh, I should have been sent off after 30 seconds. <laughs> obviously, uh, water skiing behind there, grabbing, uh, grabbing his shirt I was, uh, caught, sort of, uh, caught after, yeah, it must have been under a minute. Uh, and if that was later on in the game, I, I, he must have sent me off. But obviously Thierry Henry, he, uh, he stayed on his feet and he, uh, he managed to get a finish off and, uh, and obviously Anthony saved it. But that was, yeah, uh, a good thing yeah, in many <laughs> ways because, um, uh, after that me and Thierry Henry had a, a good relationship because he reminded me of that situation every <laughs> time we met. Uh and uh one of the last last ever games at the uh the old um highbury, I got his shirt We with swap oh, wow. shirts. That's so amazing. Uh, so he you was uh <laughs> Yeah. So he was uh yeah, I'd probably in my era over there, uh, one of the, uh, one of the best players in the Premier League I've ever seen, I think. So, uh, he was, he was difficult to play. Um, but obviously we, we, uh, made a decent effort and, uh, only lost 1-0, so, uh, mm. but to, to represent Southampton, to see the fans at the stadium, and and we were on yellow on the day, and so half of the stadium was still there an hour after kickoff. off Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was something that I will never forget, never forget.
1: So, uh, yeah, there was houses up my road, actually, that had yellow and blue ribbons on for like a year after that cup final. They just <laughs> kept them up. It was just so, so good to see. Yeah, it was. Um,
0: after that, uh, Gordon Strachan, of course, left and was replaced by Paul Sturrock. I mean, was was that a bit of a shock for you? Did, did the players know what was going on? There?
2: No, I, I can't, I can't sort of uh, firmly remember... Uh, all the details around it, but all of a sudden he was gone. I remember he came in and said uh, he uh, took us into the canteen and said there was something uh, he couldn't come to terms with with the club that he, he had to leave us and we were as players obviously as surprised as everybody else uh, at the time. I remember uh, because we we've been doing so well. It was a big blow uh, and but i can't remember. I think we found out later on that obviously his wife was ill, uh, he had some personal reasons as well. So, but Gordon was, uh, was sorely missed because we had, uh, we had something good going at the time. Uh, so, uh, and we lost that when, sure. uh, when Paul, when Paul came in and Paul obviously all the respect to him, he, he sort of he came from Plymouth and, and sort of, I think the step up to the Premier League was was a little bit unfair to judge him on that because he, uh, I think it was too big for him. The club was too big. And the job was too big for him. That didn't didn't really work out really.
0: So, no, uh, it's a strange appointment. Yeah. But, you
2: know
0: I mean, d- despite all of the managerial changes that came and left.
2: Yeah. But it's only only the players who can uh, who can get you the results, and obviously uh, the manager will will have a plan and uh, will have a strategy and uh, a tactical awareness to what he's doing. But obviously, if you don't get the players hundred percent on board, you, you're not going to perform, are you? So uh, it's very very important.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were the players 100% on board for Harry Redknapp when he came from Pompey? I mean, I guess he had a good relationship with him, but I mean, was it a big deal that he came from them down the road? I mean, it was for the fans.
2: Yeah, of course it was. Uh, to to come from Portsmouth to Southampton uh, and actually going back. Uh What happened there was was quite unbelievable. But he he, he to, wasn't
1: on an, on a mission, was he? He wasn't on a secret mission against. Well,
2: looking back, it could look look like it, but <laughs> no, we we was a very surprised. But obviously, Harry had had a good name, and he uh, he, he was a likable manager. I always got got along with him really well. Uh, he was one of the other guys I got over. To Norway and kept sort of contact with him and Jamie, uh, but, but obviously Harry, Harry was Harry and, uh, and obviously that was the time when, when him and sort of the chairman, Rupert Lowe at the time, didn't have the best of relationships, got uh, Clive Woodward in, uh, mm. at that time. That was not a good fit, uh, <laughs> no. because, uh, yeah, and uh, obviously he's been world champion in rugby and, and uh, all the respect you can get for that. But uh, to translate the rugby language, to translate what you do to become a world champion in rugby over to football, it's not much you can compare. Uh, maybe something psychologically or, or, or uh, things like that. But they were trying to put a lot of rugby thoughts into our head and a lot of experts on their field uh, came in they and the club spent huge amounts of money on yeah, projects to make us better how to kick a ball and, and all sorts of uh, uh, reactions sort of uh, strategy and uh, a lot of things that we, we couldn't relate to football uh, I, I remember it really well and, and that, that sort of uh created a um a a sort of a, a split in the group and we had some foreign players and we had some uh some other characters in the squad at the time that that wasn't that wasn't uh fit for uh what i would describe as as southampton uh as a family club as as a club who was looking after each other and and really, uh, yeah, it was really sad to watch the whole of that season uh, when we got relegated, and uh, we we sort of had uh, lost, had lost ourselves, and lost the sort of the dressing room, and we had too many uh clicks in in the dressing room, too many players just playing for themselves, and yeah, and uh, it was, yeah, it was looking back, it was, it was really. Really difficult to be one of the senior players there to uh, to try and turn it around. To be relegated that season was one of the absolute downfalls of of my life and my career, without a doubt.
1: Turning to Norway, we're going to Norway for a bit. You, you were capped by Norway in 1995. Um, yeah. You scored twice for Norway, is that right? You scored twice for Saints and twice for Norway. That's right, yeah. Um, uh, and according to your Wikipedia page, <laughs> uh, you scored against Bosnia-Herzegovina in 2002, and it was the 1,000th yeah. goal in the history of Norwegian national team. W- were That's you aware great. of that?
2: Yeah. No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I will have uh, celebrated. Uh, well, for me, scoring uh, was a big surprise anyhow. So, uh yeah. <laughs> It was uh, rusty. <laughs> yeah, but to score the, uh, the thousand goal for Norway, uh, I didn't, I didn't know it was on the line, uh, before kickoff. So, um, uh, I was actually told after, after the goal was scored. It was not a pretty one, but I, um, I managed to get it over the line, uh, with the sort of lower part of my stomach. And, uh, yeah, obviously it's always going to be in the, History book of uh, of uh, Norwegian football. So, uh, but was, uh, it was a was great night at the uh, at the national stadium in Oslo uh, that night. And that was one of one of the the good years I had in the national side.
1: Scoring with your stomach is better than what Shane Long did last season. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> that's true. Uh, I, I
1: remember those Norway sides in the 90s. They, they, were, some, they were some incredible players. They had like um, Eger Lostenstadt and Solskjaer, obviously, like Hennenberg, Flo, you mentioned before, like Ronnie Jonsson. There was so yeah. many good Norwegian players coming over to the Premier League. And, yeah, and, and, of, course, and of course you.
2: Yeah, I think uh, late 90s, sort of uh, early 2000, we, we, uh, I think we had around 20, more than 20 Norwegian players that playing in the Premier League. So, uh, and obviously then we, we had a good national side, even though I, I sort of don't d- agree with uh, with Dridlo, uh, the manager for Norway, who, who sort of took us to second in the world rating. Uh, and uh, and we were playing a certain style, which I uh, I didn't like. Uh, but obviously being involved for the national team, anyhow, is is uh, something big to play uh, with the flag on your chest this is something big so uh absolutely uh, but at this uh, at this era when I was scoring this goal and uh, we uh, we had a different uh different manager we had Augie uh, Hared as manager at the time so um so uh but now back to your question I didn't know that goal was uh the <laughs> the one thousand goal was uh, on the line but yeah, I'm always going to be remembered for that one. And, and the goal against Wolves, of course. Yeah, yeah which which was uh, which was yeah after six years I think it was my sixth season. Eight, uh, eight, years. eight years. Was it? <laughs> yeah. uh, there
1: you go. So uh, I thought you were going to yeah. go on a on you know start free scoring after that one. Yeah. yeah. That's it. He's got, yeah. That, now he's got one. They're all going to stop oiling
2: up now uh, the thing was this uh, i've been asked about this so many times and there was a psychological block i had uh because i was willing to die and uh, actually nearly kill myself in the in the in my own 16 yard box to to prevent goals but as soon as i got got up to the other end uh i didn't have that sort <laughs> of uh, Determination or, uh, which you need. So I was more like, like Gordon told me, like, I uh, was more useful as a dead body in the box. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think also the, uh, the quotes from the, um, Sky, Sky Sports uh, reporters, um, saying live, uh, when we got a corner in one of the games, he, uh, he said, uh, and there comes Michael Swenson. Uh, and here comes Klaus Lundekrom and the the co-reporter says, "Why does he fucking bother?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a decoy. decoy. So, uh, yeah. Strachan say
0: you should get uh, penalised for time wasting.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the the greatest decoy in Premier League history, I think.
0: I mean, you scored a second one a couple of years later at Cardiff. Um, did you think you'd hit a purple patch?
2: Uh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, but I was very pleased that I, uh, I managed to score a goal at St. Mary's, at, a, at a home, obviously. Uh, yeah. And obviously, uh, I got to speak to Dave Johnson, uh, and made sure that it wasn't personal. Oh, he, yes. uh, both of the goals was against him. Yeah, poor man. <laughs> um, yeah, I
0: mean, those last couple of, uh, um, seasons, at St Mary's you were dogged by injuries and yeah. were in and out of the team. So, I mean, that, that must have been tough to deal with.
2: Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the ankle injury I, uh, I got was sort of uh, the start of the end for, uh, for my career. Uh, obviously went through uh, four operations on that ankle um before i i retired and uh yeah it cost me so much pain and, and trouble the ankle that i um and uh what actually happened was I was operated on and uh this was the the second operation and uh I was strengthening the the ankle uh in all all departments that I could I was one week away from full training. And I remember it like, yeah, only yesterday that one of the running sessions I had in the dome, uh, behind the training ground, we are, we got the dome, uh, a few years before. I was, yeah, doing rehab for quite a few months, I'd done everything right. I had some, a little bit of pain, but, uh, it wasn't too bad. And I was really hoping I could actually come back now. I, I had this sort of... Feeling that I, uh, I can make this. Uh, but this running session I had in, in the dome to get the fitness up and, and so sort of, uh, I was only, yeah, a few days away from, from, uh, full training, uh, get back into football with the boys. Uh, there's this ligament in the ankle snapped again. Uh, I just remember I was, turning and and then uh, taking a few strides and and then it, it snapped uh, quite loudly and then i I just fell to the ground and uh, started crying uh, because i knew I knew I was carried into the into the treatment room and uh, into the doctor's office and I uh, was just lying there and I cried nonstop for an hour uh, That's horrible because I knew I was over and yeah I can. I can look back today and say, yeah, I was 35 at the time. I uh, I played over 12 seasons for Southampton, and I've, uh, yeah, I I could have maybe got one, two, maximum three years. uh, to even to realise there and then that that this is it, Uh, this is over, Um, it was really really gif- difficult to take and to swallow so uh Corrible. so it was uh yeah that was really sad really sad
0: i don't think anything can prepare you for that but yeah i mean the, your your testimonial that um was given i mean after 12 years of valiant service for the saints um yeah I mean, that, that that was a, a very special day in front of at 18,000 fans.
2: Yeah, the the testimonial was extremely important for me to to come back one last time and uh, and say thank you really to uh, to all the fans and because uh, I found it very very difficult to uh to be sidelined to not be involved obviously I was traveling I was club captain I was traveling with the club to all the away games uh I was involved in everything we did but I couldn't contribute contribute to uh to what I was good at and obviously that was being on the pitch and motivate my teammates so but obviously to come back for for the last time, in a testimonial, was something uh, very, very important and very big for me. Uh, to have a testimonial for a foreign player, uh, it's it's huge. It's only it's only me and Olegun who is who's had that for any Norwegians. So uh, that's something I'm very proud about. So it was a very a very emotional night. Obviously, hundreds of Norwegians and the whole family and everyone, uh, everyone was there. So, uh, and I managed to, to eat a lot of painkillers and, and and play the sort of last 10, 15 minutes. Uh, yes. And to, to sort of say goodbye to, uh, to everyone and, and thank them for... For the loyal support, uh, for so many years, uh, that was, uh, that was very important for me. And, uh, I'm really glad that I, uh, I, I made it for that, for that game. And obviously it was a bit of a struggle, uh, before because I had to buy the new, uh,
1: the new turf. The, yeah. The Is that new true? Turf.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I spent 150 grand on that turf. Oh wow! Uh, and that That's... was a gamble because I didn't know if uh, I think I needed fifteen thousand to come and watch the game to break even. So I didn't make any money on on my testimonial, but that wasn't that wasn't the sort of yeah. That uh, wasn't the
1: goal. You just wanted to. No, uh, yeah. I just
2: wanted to. Uh, to come back for the last time and, and say goodbye, and, and uh, yeah, say a massive thank you to all the fans who supported me for all those years. Uh, but mm-hmm. I was, um, I remember at the time I was, I was really sad, and, and uh, obviously that that started as sort mm-hmm. of a, uh, a depression for me. That uh, yeah, of course, uh, caused some. Uh, some difficult years, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean,
0: the, the career of, of football is quite different from any other career. And uh, I mean, at, at the age of 35, you're you can be pushed into retirement like that. And yeah, a lot of preparation and there's a whole infrastructure that goes into preparing young players for playing in the Premier League. Some of them make it, some of them don't. But um for, yeah, for those that do I mean there there isn't really much preparation made for retirement
2: well at the time when I retired and um, was forced out because of injury, it was nothing and there hasn't been uh, until the last sort of, few years um, and that's why it's so um, it's so bloody important that the clubs are taking this serious now. Uh that's why I'm so pleased and so happy that uh Southampton now are showing way with this project they're doing with um, with the scholars obviously mm-hmm. prepare them for what's coming but also prepare the the uh the professionals who spin in the game. For a long time, or yeah, be you've been left out of the team, you've been uh, whatever, have to retire. And what's coming, that you you can't prepare them for that. But you can learn a lot from the players who's uh, who's made some wrong wrong decisions, uh, like me. Um, And I think it's very very difficult now, very easy for many. Uh, the down, downfall is so huge to lose um, lose purpose in uh, in day-to-day life because for me then 20 years of, of professional football was gone overnight mm-hmm. uh, and then what what I actually lost was the dressing room it was not so necessarily the the playing part of it and you can never you can never replace. The adrenaline of of walking out to fifty thousand people—you you can never replace that. Uh, but what you actually miss the most is uh, is your teammates, is purpose, is uh, solve day-to-day uh, life, have something to come to.
1: Such a massive change, yeah, just just like that.
2: Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and obviously, for me, uh, I had everything to be. Proud about, and I I was. I involved myself in a lot of charity work and a lot of foundation uh, things with the, with the club. And um, but everything was uh, I I all of a sudden could could party more. I could drink more because I didn't have to perform every every day or every weekend. Uh, and that. So escalated with the, the rate of uh, my depression at the time until I pretty quickly I found myself in uh, in really deep water and uh, yeah for me it came situation of life and death pretty quickly I think prepare yourself uh, or to to have a system in place for the club is crucial not everyone will obviously become a coach or become a manager but to have something there to wake up to to drag you out the bed every morning that gives you purpose is is so is so crucial after absolutely after you, yeah after you retire because you 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 sat there with uh yeah all the money in the world i i had two boats i had a, a house in bergen uh, i had a speedboat in miami I, I had everything but i was i was really I was really down. I was depressed, and I had nothing to be depressed about. But I've lost the most important thing in my life, and that was football, and that was my teammate, and that purpose was gone. I uh, I felt lost, and I, I I think I've described that in my book, and and so many times that I was sort of walking into a black hole. I didn't know what to do with myself, and uh, and like I said, I, I made some wrong decisions, and. Uh, and uh the partying escalated into uh using uh, drugs and cocaine on a regular basis and, and uh like i said it, it became it became a, a deadly habit that i uh i couldn't get out of uh and i was i was so lost and uh, so desperate that i uh, yeah i've tried to to care myself twice uh i'm sorry to say uh, but that's how how low i i got uh, and how low i actually felt at the time of of uh of uh of not having anything around me that uh, could could support me in the way that i uh, i i could find uh yeah, the little boy Klaus mm. again, but also found purpose in, in day to day life. It's been, uh, it's been many, many years of, of ups and downs, uh, for me after retirement. But obviously, I've been in and out of treatment many, many times. But obviously, now the last sort of, uh, uh, five, six years, I've been totally clean and I've been.
1: That's uh, incredible
2: building myself uh, slowly but surely back up to uh and and have have purpose and desire and and to do something i love is to help others uh with my story with my with my book and every uh everything around it is uh is really rewarding to work with today so uh that's why i'm I'm so excited about this project that Southampton is going into now to, to actually help, help these footballers today to prepare one is, uh, is the scholars to, to prepare them for what's coming, but also, uh, to help uh, all the players in the club, all the staff to, because we're all going to hit Bad days, hit depression, or mm. been set out the team, or get injured long term, or you've been loaned away, or or whatever it can affect your mental your mental state. That's uh, that's something we need to take serious, and um, I'm just very glad that Southampton is one of the first clubs now who is uh, who's taken this serious and do actually do something about it.
1: That is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and you, you've dealt with this perfectly as well. I mean, you, must have, you must have worked incredibly hard to get where you are now. And, you know, just that no matter how bad things can get, there's always a way. There's always people that you can talk to, people that can help. And, you know, you've come out. Smelling of roses, really. And-
2: I don't envy anyone to go through the uh, the pain I've, I've been through uh, when it comes to addiction and uh, and sort of mental mental health issues, uh, because it's it's been so uh, so much guilt and, and shame in in there as well. Because I couldn't justify that my girls was could grow up without. Their daddy and i but i was I was lost in the addiction so i i uh, and i I didn't know where to turn to get help. I found help eventually through the sporting chance clinic tony adams's clinic uh, and peter k uh, rest in peace uh, who who probably saved my life at the time but even even after that sort of uh, long-term treatment i i uh, needed i needed many years to sort of adapt to another life another another purpose in life another way of life and uh because you you live in a in a bubble that is it's not really comparable to to normal life at all uh as a professional footballer and when that is gone it's uh it's very difficult to uh, to make some uh, some bad choices.
0: I mean, it's great that you're so open about the journey that you've been on, and yeah. you can use your message to help clubs, um, help the the players who maybe or former players that have lost their purpose, help them to to, to find it again. And so yeah. yes, it's definitely
2: great work well thank you well I, I found i found what i do today extremely rewarding uh extremely yeah uh with a lot of purpose and, and uh, because i've i've been there i've uh, uh and to work in the field and and being educated in the field of uh, of psychiatry and and uh, addiction um I've learned so much not only about addiction and psychiatry and mental health but also about myself. So um, I'm really really proud of where I am today and get emotional when I talk about it. But sure. it's um, I'm sat here today with uh with so much purpose in my life and um, and to help others and, and uh be honest and open about my story. Uh is really rewarding to, to then uh, maybe help others. Definitely, I mean, I mean,
0: there's, there's, there's got to be a lot of people out there now, I mean, through the pandemic, who are going through similar experience, that they've lost, lost their purpose in life. I mean, might have been laid off or forced absolutely. into retirement or facing the, the loneliness that uh, the
2: lockdowns have brought.
0: I mean, is there a message that you could... Uh,
2: out to people well without a doubt it's, it, it's so many people that I, I've been working with because I'm, I work for uh, an independent of psychiatry alliance that is, is um, putting in place that activities we got 20 activities for, for people mental health or addiction issues uh, that we put in place every week for them uh, and it's hundreds of people in Bergen yeah um, and for them now, obviously, when we are locked down, it's been a, a hugely depressing uh, time for so, so many people who all of a sudden has lost uh, that togetherness, that sort of uh, activity during the day. And, uh, if there's one, one sort of advice I, I would give, if you can, and if you got strength and, and a power to create, uh, a, a sort of normality in your day, to have something to get up to, to get up in the morning and, and, and do something positive and be active, do, uh, involve yourself in, in some sort of, uh, training, some sort of work that gives you Give purpose is probably the best advice I, I could, I could give because if you, if you get lazy obviously and you, uh, been laid off at work or you, uh, you're struggling, then isolation and, and loneliness is, uh, is, uh, is there. And then, uh, to come out of that, uh, it's gonna be harder and harder and more difficult to, uh, to come out of the longer you, you sat in it. And, uh, the more problems you, you're probably gonna get to create some, some good, good habits during the day, uh, every day, uh, it's, it's crucial to, uh, maintain healthy and maintain soul in a, in a, a mental good state.
0: Definitely proof that there can be a purpose despite them. Um, I mean, your, your book you, you mentioned, uh, two, uh, um, yeah. m- must have been quite, uh, Quite difficult to, to put that together.
2: It was. Um, uh, it was a long project. So obviously, we used over a year to put that together because obviously that was that was going back to all the the sort of memories, the the really tough memories of of letting my kids down, letting my family down, and the the sort of guilt and, and shame uh, around that. Uh, obviously, taken an overdose, and and uh, obviously, yeah, uh, physically tried to kill myself with two two occasions. I I survived. Uh, luckily, I I managed to to turn around to to find strength, uh, to use my sort of determination, uh, which I had in football and had in my career, to 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 uh, something positive um so but it's been a roller coaster um mm-hmm. and uh writing that book is is something that i'm i'm very very proud of because it's uh it's a very very honest story of my life uh good and bad yeah happy and, uh, ending. there's always a happy ending there uh but it it, it could have gone horribly wrong um and I feel, I feel lucky that I'm alive today. I feel lucky that I can give my story to, to others, to help others. And I think the book is, uh, obviously it was hugely popular when it came out in 2015. I would, I would have loved to translate it into English. I think there's a lot of uh, English yeah players people who uh who would have the benefits of of reading that book uh yeah, I'd, love to to oh, I'd love to read it we just have to learn norwegian kev <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> because there is a life after football that's that's for sure but it's what it's what you make it and uh obviously living in that uh, professional footballing bubble i would call it for so many years that's as I was uh, lucky enough to do, uh, it makes it makes the the life afterward. Uh, yeah. It's, it's- it's, I wouldn't say automatically difficult, but uh, there's there's so many things you have to adjust. And for me, it all started with a, a huge depression of, of losing purpose, lo- losing meaning of life, uh, losing the dressing room and, and losing my, my teammate. I'm thankful and proud I'm, I'm sat here today.
1: As, as a, a we, As a wee, yeah. Amazing, amazing story. Right, if, we, if I could just um ask you a few things. Things about the you know the, the current season. Um, yeah. Have, have you? I mean, do you keep up with Saints? Do you? Are you making sure that you're watching all the games?
2: Yeah, sure. As much as I can. Yeah. Start
1: the season very well, and you know had a dip, suffered another nine-nil defeat. Yeah, but as you mentioned earlier, still in the cup, and do you think we can make a good go of it?
2: I think so. Obviously, having uh, Bournemouth in the quarter final now is is um, quite achievable to to get through. Uh, and obviously, it's going to be a very strong team in in the semi final. But I think on the day. Uh, we are capable of beating anyone. It's achievable to reach a cup final, uh, without a doubt, and, uh, and fingers crossed for oh. for, the, for the club that we can uh, we can do that. Um, but obviously we we we're down in a bad way at the moment. With uh, obviously we've had a lot of injuries and and uh, key players out. Our squad of players is is not uh, as good as uh, yeah many of the other top teams so um, but the great start we had and uh, all the sort of positivity we had we even today I think in the spells of the game we play great football but we're not taking our chances and we're not sort of uh, putting teams away and we've had some bad luck with some decisions oh, yeah. but by the end of the day we we've not been good enough because we we've had to change the team so much uh, but if we, if we can get everyone fit, everyone, uh, up to match fitness, uh, obviously looking at Yannick Vastigard at the weekend, he's not much fit. Uh, Walker Peters is not much fit. Uh, no, he's out for about three, three weeks now. And three weeks he's, he's going out to be for out yeah. again, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. Uh, defensively now it's 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 uh quite difficult. Uh so Ralph needs to uh find something clever to uh to sew up that defence because um we've been looking very solid with uh with Bednarek and, and Vestergaard earlier in the season. They've really impressed me. But now obviously uh L- losing sort of key players every week—it's difficult for uh, for a small small club or a small squad. But what Ralph has done and the way we are set up to play football, I I really like. And even losing nine uh, nil—it um, it, it can happen. It can happen to anyone. Uh, but it, it's bloody unfortunate. It's fucking happened to us twice now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, yeah, and uh, it just shows that obviously the club is standing behind uh, Ralph after after those defeats because I hope they see that uh, long term he he can be the right manager. But obviously now we be we've been struck by uh, uh, unfortunate uh, injuries and uh, and too many too many players who is not much fit at the moment. So, uh, but on the day and, and like I said, when we got everyone fit and, uh, and, uh, match fit, we, uh, we're capable of beating anyone and uh, we've proven that. So, uh, so, but now we need to turn a corner because we, we're really in a, in a bad spot with five, no, six defeats and we, uh, we need to get a win as quickly as possible. I was hoping that Wolves, uh, win in the cup will, uh, would yeah. actually, uh. Spare us get... on to bigger things. Yeah. yeah, And, 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 and it did sort of first half, uh, <laughs> but then we, we didn't come out second half, uh, and then, uh, yeah, obviously a our decision with the, uh, with the handball and, uh, went against us and, uh, and we made to lose, lose that one as well, which is, um, which is disappointing, that. yeah.
1: Yeah and 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 speaking of VAR, I mean it was introduced at the start of last season this season and last few matches actually as you said it hasn't been kind to us but where where do you stand on the system are you a fan or you know are you no, a purist and just want to get uh, it back to where it uh, was
2: I I hope it, uh... I hope they take it away. One day, obviously, this is going to be a, a period they're going to assess it and uh, look at it and see uh, yeah, what comes out of it at the end of the day. But I think uh, so many... Uh so many things about VAR now that it's not consistent and it's not it's ruined the sort of celebration of the goals and it's ruined a lot of key points of for me in the game that I i think they uh I'm not a fan. So, so uh VAR no, in Norway? No, no we don't
0: do people want it.
2: Uh, well it's been talked about and talks about it but obviously i, I don't think um, yeah I we're, don't not, think we're not not a great be,
1: advert for it now
2: are no we? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it will be introduced over here no it, it, sometimes obviously goal line technology or with decisions or whatever can can change games and i understand that they want to get that right but it's ruined so much else and there, there isn't any consistency in the handball situations and, and the measuring, uh, how they measure, uh, the shirts or we play football. They, they, at least they should measure the feet, uh, yeah. for a start, for yes. me, uh, and not measure the, uh, the sole sort of shirts or the body or whatever. So you can get some consistency, but they, uh, they're not, uh, and that silent flag. If some player get injured, they can actually sue the VAR if something happens in between. Uh, if you know what I mean. Very good point. So, yeah. uh, so no, I I don't. Uh, I was obviously interested in uh, see how it would work, but I think we we all seen now. It's it's uh, yeah. Better off without that. Yeah, I, w- I would take it away. Okay, uh, right. We'll
1: we'll we'll end with. Um, we've just got a few questions, we've got a few quick fire questions, and then we've got a few questions from our Discord. Um, Kev, did you want to go first? Um, yeah. Best centre back partner. Uh,
2: Michael Svensson.
1: Uh, best manager, worst manager.
2: I've I've learned something good and not so good. Uh, all of my all my managers. Uh, the most successful manager was. Gordon Strachan. So I would have to say him. I don't want to name a worst manager because I think they all given me something.
0: And um, what well, about as a trainer? Uh, who is the best trainer? Uh,
2: Matthew Oakley was always good in training. I felt I uh, was one of the players that who didn't fulfil sort of his potential in games. Um, uh, Paul Telfer, he was an unbelievable, uh, dedicated pro.
0: And the other end.
2: Massachusetts, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> myself. Oh come on! Uh, no, I, don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> I did my job, but I, uh, yeah, I could have, have some lazy days, but I, need, <laughs> I, 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 I knew always what I needed to do to perform at the weekend to put it that way. So uh, yeah. Good answer. Um, yeah. Are you still
0: in contact with uh, the former teammates?
2: Yes, I wouldn't have mentioned Matt if I, I didn't have a good relationship to him. Yeah. Uh, so I still speak to him uh, through social media and uh, Twitter and uh, occasionally on the phone. So, uh, yeah, I keep in touch with him. Franny, Dodsey, uh Beats. Uh, Beat. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, Rory sometimes, Brett Omrod, Bridgie. So quite a few of the... Uh, the, the teammates from that era, I'm, uh, I'm still in contact with. Yeah, that's
1: good. That's good to hear. The,
2: the Dal or St Mary's? Well, I love the Dal. Uh, there was something special, or historic, about the Dal. I say the Dal, but obviously, future <laughs> can never play there today. But uh, I love the Dal.
0: Um, and apart from the Dal, St Mary's, which ground did you like to visit the most? I can guess both.
2: Anfield and. Um, I love the the old Highbury, and I love the old White Hart Lane. Uh, yeah. Those were uh, sort of stadiums that you can get into contact with the, uh, with the fans. So, uh, uh, yeah, I love those. And, it's amazing
0: uh, they're not there anymore. Yeah, it is,
2: it is. Yeah, is there
0: any player that you used to hate playing against? I mean, you did say
2: Thierry Henry. Yeah, but he was pure class. He was just unbelievably good. And obviously Arsenal, those years were, were fantastic. But when I came over, obviously Manchester United were, were the best side. When they had Dwight York and Andy Cole up front, they were awesome. Obviously, Bergkamp and Thierry Henry was different class. Soul and Hasselbank and uh, Chelsea. Yeah, so many good players. It's very rarely that I, I sort of, fall uh, out with players or I actually dislike players. Uh, but I was one player that, that I saw, sort of, yeah, who was full of shit in every game, uh, and was really personal and sort of, yeah, going after, after you with all sort of personal stuff. And, uh, and that was, can you guess?
1: Oh, no, I'm really intrigued, though. I'm just trying to think. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eric, Eric Cantona.
2: No, no, no. He was, <laughs> he was cocky uh, and uh, pure class. Um, best penalty taker,
1: Letizia or
2: Lambert? Uh, Letizia. Best technique. Uh, yeah. Purely finishing technique, Matthew Letizia is the best I've seen. So uh, I know he, he missed the penalty, but um, he um, his finishing technique with both feet was... Um, yeah, never seen before. So, um, and that just proves that all the goals he scored from, um, oh, yeah. yeah, bloody 40 yards is unbelievable. <laughs> okay. Best free kick taker that is or James Bull Prouse? Oh, uh, well, Prouse is getting close now. Uh, to put it this way, They he, uh, yeah, he's, he's getting close, but I think he, um, uh, I think I still have to go with Matt.
1: I think I would too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you could pick. Your Saints five-a-side team for all the players that you played with, who would you pick?
2: Oh, five-a-side, I uh, would have...
1: Uh, of course, you've got to select yourself in this as well.
2: Me and uh, uh, Matt, I would have uh, Berkovic, Totti, I have for the banter, Marin Pahas. Oh, Pahas, oh, what a player.
0: Okay, we've got a couple of silly questions uh, for you. Um, we- we ask all our guests this. Uh, would you rather be twice the height of Yannick Vestergaard or half the height of Carl Peters? pieters <laughs> so
2: What? Four, four metres or what? eighty-four, eighty-six centimetres.
0: What sort of question
2: is that? <laughs> 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 well, I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be huge then. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay another funny one Uh, would you rather have a Saint's tattoo on your forehead or a Portsmouth tattoo on your ass Uh,
2: that's a stupid question I will have a Saint's Portsmouth in my head yeah (laughs) that's the right answer Uh, who I disliked yeah no 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 No. I will I will uh, will text it to you when I uh... okay
0: (laughs) Alex Haas asks um, yeah what made you stick with Southampton for your career in English football
2: why I stuck with Southampton.
0: St. Yeah, I mean, you, you must have had offers come in from other clubs.
2: Yeah, I had uh, two series offers from Benfica and Newcastle. Um, now that was me as a person because I, uh, yeah, I think loyalty and so sort of be a one-club player uh, it's important. I think for me, um, that's one of the sort of, i I can understand the players moving around to earn the most money, uh, but for me, I think uh, there's different values uh, of being uh, a one-team player. I think uh, you hardly see that these days, and I, I think the respect you get and the sort of. I, I I love truly Southampton for for the club it is and the supporters for who they are and that's that means a lot to me and then to to move around and and uh yeah you don't don't see too many club players anymore um uh, no. so
0: we, um we had a few in your time with um
2: it is and, and yeah uh, we had a string of testimonials with franny and uh yeah and matt and uh and Dobsey. um so but that's very uh rare today uh, can i so, just say uh, that
1: you made the right decision
0: Thank you. Well, thanks. Um, Mark Griffiths asks, um, which which of your Saints colleagues would you least like to play against or like to have played against and why?
2: Obviously, Matt, with the danger of making you look a fool and uh, scoring goals against you. So, uh, but beats James Beattie, on this day was was, uh, quite a handful. He was a very strong and uh, honest peak. He was was really good. So... um, and difficult to play against. So, uh, But I think for me, in general, to play against quick players who were smart in, in, uh, as well uh, was the most difficult. So maybe uh, Marion Pajas as well was, uh, would have been a nightmare to play against.
0: It's got to be tough in training. Um- uh, Kevin McGee, he does ask uh, who your favourite manager was to play under, but you've already answered that. But he does also uh, uh, ask us to thank you for your years of service and say that you were great to watch. Thank you very much. Um, Tim Bazans asks um, who the funniest teammate was.
2: Funniest would uh, be Rich Dryden. Yeah, uh, just call him Trigger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also asked, um, what, what was your favourite place to eat in Southampton
2: ah uh, good one uh the chinese restaurant in high street the harb the harbor the yeah uh, mm-hmm. yeah uh, i think it's not there anymore but that was my favorite chinese in town and when were you last in mm, it's now a couple of years ago yeah. maybe maybe
0: maybe changes as we speak um but <laughs> w- what about the changes in football since you've retired that maybe the fans don't see
2: the medical staff, I think the fitness staff, everything is taken care of today that uh, we didn't sort of have in, this, in the degree they have it today. Everything, it's nothing left uh, left out. To uh, there's so much uh, technology today that uh, the players and everyone use that, uh, which is uh, which is great. Obviously, uh, but also, uh, maybe lose a little bit of, uh, what I dislike today is as a fan, you, you can't get close to your heroes.
0: Can't get anywhere near them now.
2: No, yeah. That's what, <laughs> now, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, that's really sad. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, we've got a last question here from Dan Fox. He says, uh, can you tell Chris that, um, he lives in Burnus, which is near the, near the Croakinses church? <laughs> yeah. um, if you know um, it,
2: that's uh, that's true. That's where I moved back to, but I don't live there anymore. But, uh, 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 but I'm in the same city. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, um, he he asks, um, do, do you want to come round to his place to watch a Saints game with him?
2: <laughs> I c- I could do no problem. <laughs>
0: and and if so, what pizza topping do
2: you like? <laughs> uh, it needs to be uh, beef.
1: Yeah,
2: so beef probably
0: <laughs> all right you hear that done get the beef in
1: yeah <laughs> right i think that is it uh, klaus uh, we we can't thank you enough for your valuable time you know be, being so open and, and honest with us you, you're an absolute treasure to our city and our club and your loyalty can't be matched I, I, and i just want you to know how much we all appreciate you you're, you're a legend you're a true saint um, and you've given us this interview, which we'll both never forget. So, yeah, thank you. Just doesn't seem enough.
2: Tuck. Well, thank you very much. I'm humble for giving you this interview. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'm very, uh, very glad and uh, happy to uh, to have uh, spoken to you and uh, given this interview. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Been, uh, it's been a pleasure.
0: Fantastic
2: wonderful
0: uh, thanks Klaus
2: no problem guys no problem it's been a pleasure it's definitely yeah, definitely it's, our pleasure thank you uh, thank you very much for letting me on yeah have a
0: great rest of the evening and um, hopefully yeah, we've got a good match to watch at the weekend it's only Chelsea it? yeah, only yeah chance, it's
2: yeah. only Chelsea yeah. <laughs> well, brilliant thanks ha- very much guys thank you Klaus uh, right. have a nice evening and uh, yeah hopefully we'll speak soon bro. Adé, bro.
0: Podcast Network.